Like we are two womanist race nerds talking shit over tea. Dismantling white supremacist patriarchal capitalism one episode at a time. I'm Queen. I'm Jay. And, and this, this is Tea with Queen and Jay. And Welcome to Stranger Fruit. We are picking up at part two of an amazing conversation we call Colorism and Misogynoir Galore with guests Queen and Jay from Tea with Queen and Jay. We'll let you jump right on in. Let's go. what Dr. Donna was talking about um, when she was talking about colorism and how the term BIPOC, how she doesn't like how we're lumped in because of colorism and things like that. So I shared that in my stories. And an older cousin of mine, like a grown auntie, auntie level cousin, Mm -hmm. um, hit me up and she's like, what is colorism? Like y'all use all this uh, millennium (laughs) talk. I was like, "Uh, first of all, that that term was coined back back then. (laughs) You're too smart for this. (laughs) But now this is my responsibility, right? She's mine. Right? So it's yeah. my job now to engage in this exhausting dialogue yeah. about colorism that went on and was exhausting for a while mm-hmm. in the Facebook chats. Okay? Oh, in the baby. Facebook oh, my God. My- <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So oh I think God. it's we have so many opportunities as people with good sense to talk to the people in our lives and like have those interventions with those who are close to us. And oftentimes, a lot of us choose not to because it's uncomfortable. Very. But that's our responsibility when it comes to like those kind of micro things, right? Because I'm not going to spend my time. We, Of course, we have work where we have a platform and we do things. But I'm not sitting across from a man to try and change his mind. Now, I'm not doing that on a micro level. I'll do it with my cousin. Yeah. Because that's my responsibility. And when he's out in the street, the great black saying of, whose cousin is that? Whose man is this? Come get your auntie. That's because we have a community code. And whoever's in your community, that's yours. That's your responsibility. And if they're out here wilding, that's on you. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And so I think that's where this kind of micro talking one-on-one, talking to people who are in your community. There's people who I went to college with who they're a part of my community. I've known you since I was 17 and you're ignorant and we're too old for this now. And so as a part of my community, I'm going to have this conversation. Yeah. With you. Um, I so that. I think that's how we do these things on a micro level. Like talk to the people who belong to you because yeah. they're there and you're avoiding them just because it's an uncomfortable conversation to have. Talk to your parents. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Um, on a micro level, that's what I think we need to do. On a macro level, I think we should be fighting towards liberation. So I'm not having these okay. kinds of one-on-ones like, you treat women bad. I'm not doing that. I don't want to be on that panel. But <laughs> okay. I want to you know, do the work that like awakens maybe a lot of people at one time. Yes, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Or, or like there's somebody who's going to listen to this conversation and not fully get it until they listen to the next podcast on colorism. And then it'll be like, oh, that's what they were saying. Like this is what they were talking yeah. about. It's an ongoing process. 100 you know liberation where, where whenever that is out. yeah and to, and to your point that's why i i will continue to have it and yeah. that's why like even for this conversation in particular because i knew mm-hmm. i knew certain things were going to come out that can't come out in like a big broader right, conversation right, right. maybe nooks and crannies somebody will get it here and there mm-hmm. but i do think like there are levels to this shit yeah. and we've exposed a lot of them here one of the things that i you talked about community and like 
basically do what you can wherever you can, yeah. you know, make that impact. What I do like is that I'm starting to see a lot more people have the conversation. Back in the day when we were having a conversation, 2014, first conversation we ever had was about colorism. We were the only ones fucking talking about it. Now it's like a lot more people are. However, I will say I saw a couple of interviews. One was on revolt. And specifically in that conversation, it was called Black Girl Stuff. And on that particular show, shout out to everybody who's on that show. I'm sure that they are so thrilled at the opportunity to be on a show to talk about Black Girl Stuff. Because I, I as a Black man and all my privileges, recognize that we need more. We need more and more and more. And wherever you fall as a black woman, I hope you find a great place because there are not enough. But what I saw was I saw three women who are, I don't know what, I don't know where they're from. I, I believe they are part of the black experience. They say that they're black. So for me, I'm like, okay, they're black. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's one woman who is more phenotypically black, who mm -hmm. looks black, who's a darker skinned woman. And I, I already found that to be confusing and problematic. Why? Because oftentimes with platforms like Revolt, it is centered around a biracial black woman ex ex experience yeah. mm -hmm. and then she's called black. So for the men who were confused and always wanted a Denise and thought that this is just the black woman that I want, right. they were never exposed to the nuance that says like, hey, this is a representation of blackness that you're getting. However, we are therefore erasing black women who have two black parents, for example, and who have a very specific experience. And we're also erasing lighter skin black women who have a very specific mm -hmm. experience. And I'm looking at this and I'm watching them. And I also believe that biracial people have experiences that deserve to be spoken about yeah. and, 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 I think and at talked least, about. I think at least one of them, and I'm not saying this makes it right or wrong, but yeah, just, yeah. I, watched, I watched that video that you sent me. One Instagram user commented, black girl stuff show? Only one fourth is black. Make it make sense. I honestly understand that, to be honest. Like for me, being a darker skinned black woman, being the darkest skin on this cast, I do really enjoy that my black is not questioned, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I've got 4C hair, I've got the black nose, I have full lips, I have a dark skin tone, and it really does, you know, on one end, I enjoy, again, walking into a room and you know I'm black. But on the flip mm -hmm. side, especially in this kind of environment, I feel like I'm being put on a stance to really like carry blackness on my back, more so than you all may have to, whether you know it or you don't. But I think, um, I think at least one of them is just light-skinned. Even okay. though, okay. and I say this as a nigga who's a nigga, she looks exotic. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's, if it's a texture-ism situation. I don't know if it's like her hair I type. Think so. or, I, know, I think I know who yeah, you're speaking yeah. about. She, she yeah. said that she has two black parents, um, but she does have the look of a more exotic kind of person, which is the, yeah. that more desirable mixed look. Because even with that, I know I'm going off a little bit, but I'll Please go. But um, there are biracial people who are not light. Mm -hmm. yeah. There That's are mixed, but because of what we see on TV, a mixed race person only looks like Denise. Mm -hmm. But it's like, no, they can be they can be your complexion. Mm -hmm. They can have nappy hair. And I'm talking about a black and white mix. But they yeah. aren't always just passing looking people. Mm -hmm. But for some reason that is because of colorism. And media we, that yeah, you were talking about. And media about. we think that mix genetics don't work that way. Not everybody who's mixed is gonna be light skinned with that hair. Mm -hmm. 
that's just not I know. How look how look how disappointed people were that Blue Ivy came out looking black. Mm. They were so confused. Why does she look <laughs> like this? Where we are so disappointed. You know, uh, you know? but, but yeah. I, I think that's another thing that people just assume that biracialness or mixedness just looks like. Um, what's the person who married the prince? Oh, um, um, oh, Meghan Markle. Markle. Yeah, Markle. that that's the only way that biracialism, whatever the fuck, I mean, that's not a word, but <laughs> yeah. that that's the only way it looks. And it's like, no, but, you know, that's what we're taught to believe. Because that's what the, the media, the preference of the look, lighter skin, yeah. even mixed person, yeah. is a colorist lighter skin, loose thing, hair. Thing, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is on purpose. Yeah, yeah. But and, what's your question So about my that? question yeah. is that when you when I saw that and I saw specifically how the conversation was going and then I reflected it into the comment section. Mm-hmm. When I say how it was going, meaning of the dark-skinned black woman was specifically trying to explain why people were were upset about what they saw, right? Versus the biracial or light-skinned black women. Mm-hmm. Not saying, y'all y'all know what you, what's going on. <laughs> um, but how they received that and how they were able to or unable to receive the criticism and specifically for you jay like you know you you were talking about your experience as a light-skinned woman Mm -hmm. and how there was a conversation that you had with your family about that but then how you learned more outside of that when you see that conversation i'm just curious what's your opinion (laughs) a nigga is disturbed (laughs) a nigga is embarrassed a nigga is ashamed (laughs) um but i but i also think and as somebody who um is uh, quote unquote woke or conscious or whatever. I think that there there's also a tendency for people like me who have an awareness of colorism and and I think some of the mistakes that that they made in that conversation because it was very hard to watch was like colorism one hundred and one. Yes, you know what I mean. So colorism one hundred and one to me with as an aware someone who's aware of colorism, basic awareness of colorism. When a dark skinned person is talking about their experience with colorism. You don't tell me that you was bullied. You don't talk about your light skin experience, about, you know, what people said about your hair. What, that's not the time. That's not the place, right? So that's colorism one-on-one baseline, mm-hmm. right? But then there's these other nuances to it that I think a lot of light-skinned people don't get past. Like, don't... And also because it's not to the benefit of society or the power structure to teach you colorism Facts. 102 or 201 or whatever and to Facts. understand that it's a structure, in place, right? And one of the women on that show said, because I'm light-skinned or because I am whatever she said that she is, does that make me less black? And I think that the answer to that question is, yes, it does, right? Yes, it does make you to less black. To the experience, yes. Yes, and, and that's the thing is that there's so <laughs> many nuances to blackness or else we would just say that we were African or Nigerian or se- from sen- Senegalese or Ghanaian, right? We say Bronxian. black. We say that we're black because it is a unique experience that comes from... the. the colonization and shit. So when you talk about am I blacker, Queen is blacker than me because Mm -hmm. I will never fully understand what it's like to walk around in her dark skin. I'm not treated like that. I'm treated like a black girl. I live on the Upper East Side and I get treated in a store when I have a question or I'm trying to return something. Don't get me started on returns. (laughs) I'm treated poorly Mm -hmm. because someone who lives on the Upper East Side in New York, you know, is a Jewish family woman and... Whatever she, she's seen as a customer, I'm not seen as a customer, right? That's a negative experience that I have. That's due to my blackness, my my hair texture, how I show up in the world, comfortable in my black skin, and and don't uh, code switch at this stage in my life or whatever. That experience standing 
is not the experience of someone who is physically blacker than I am. So the answer to that question, right, when we try to defend our blackness so much is that no, you're not as black as the dark skinned person. You're just not because there's so many different things that go into blackness. A part of our mm -hmm. unified experience, even though there's a lot of culture in blackness, there's a lot of culture in black Americanness. Yes. But a part of our unification, no matter, you know, it's uh, four to five people, four to five black people in here who are all from different parts of the diaspora, what unites us is our blackness and th those things that are cultural unifiers that happen at every place because we are, you know, all African, quote unquote, and our experience with oppression. Yeah. And my experience with oppression is not the same as somebody who's darker than me. So the answer to that question is yes, you are not as black. But, yeah. what, but what happens there and why that is so hard for light-skinned people is because they do not want to acknowledge their privilege. Mm -hmm. That's what that is. Mm -hmm. I don't want to let go of this shit. Yes. I don't want to let this go. So if I admit that this is real, eventually you're going to ask me to let go of that shit. Mm -hmm. And that's what it is. Yes, because that. when I thought about that, that show, and I think about the hiring process, I know, I know light-skinned women like you. Jay, mm -hmm. who would have said I would have had to step away and tell them to give somebody else my seat and 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 referred them to some talent that could right. have taken up my taken that seat, and I thought about that and I was like, you know, they can't, they don't want to give up their seat, and mm -hmm. and somebody needs to give up their seat. Mm -hmm. Somebody needs to give up that seat because you're gonna confuse people young and I, I specifically think about just young girls because i do think that from a superficial from a desirability standpoint black dark-skinned men are having a very different experience and i don't think that we should skirt around that this is a very very specific conversation about what happens in a space with black folks when you are darker or darker than because dark is masculine because dark is so that's as why masculine. black men kind of benefit from that but it only goes for so long because exactly. you, could, you could be George Floyd. Exactly. Because, <laughs> and then it's like, if you don't know, you're going to find out. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But there is so much room and there mm -hmm. is a lot of space for privilege that that's why people don't give a fuck. But in another interview, specifically with an interviewer named Megan and the artist... Mona Leo. Thank you, Mona Leo. One of the moments that really freaked me the fuck out and like i told Just you... Just one? Because I watched there, that there, too. There was, there was, and I'm not okay. There was one moment in particular that like... I got viscerally angry. Um, once again, it's just, I can't help it. I'm just seeing this. I'm not a black woman, but I was enraged. Was when Megan took a look at her co-host. Yeah. She looked at him and she was like, it, like, cause um, at that time, um, you know, the question was, is colorism real? Mm -hmm. The response was like, of course it's real. Absolutely. And then basically Megan looked at him and was like, but is it, is mm -hmm. it? Cause is it? Mm -hmm. And then he was kind of like, I think you're talking about reverse, reverse colorism. Mm -hmm. Like he gave her the word, go ahead, baby. Colorism is very real. It's yeah. a very real thing. Not to take away from anybody who is a light skinned rapper, but it's definitely easier for a woman with a lighter complexion to blow up quicker than a dark-skinned woman, for sure. But like, why do you feel like that? Cause like, I be getting into it, people, right? I used to get made up fun of at school because I wasn't black enough. Bitches used to try to cut my hair. Like, people be thinking that like, light-skinned girls don't go through colorism. It's not colorism. If you're light-skinned, it's not colorism. So what is it like, called? If people's picking with you, then that's like, but it's not colorism. Like colorism what is, is discrimination white? against darker skin you're basically talking about reverse well reverse colorism, colorism then because they used to be like you ain't even black for real you're white go over there with the white girls and i'm just like bitch that's interesting yeah like interesting. i am black actually i wouldn't say it's reverse 
colorism. Like, it's I don't, like I don't think that that's a thing. We also get, oh, you're pretty to be a black. Like, I've had white people mm-hmm. and others. Well, that's racism. Yeah, that's, that's racism. racism. We've been indoctrinated to think that darker skinned people experience a completely different experience than people who are light skinned. And that is just like, the bottom line and that is that is where the issue of colorism comes in for sure and the way that i thought about that and the way that i translated that was how a lot of women who do have an experience as a in a lighter body and who are able to reap the privileges of that mm-hmm. without acknowledging it the benefits the power we should talk about powers the well. power mm-hmm. and the automatic support mm-hmm. the she, automatic yeah, support she, she looked at him for support in mm-hmm. that room like that's what she's used to doing. Mm-hmm. It was it, it was it was such a cringy moment yeah. because they look back at her like, yeah, reverse colorism. And now she had to explain again. When you talked about I don't want to sit down with nobody and explain mm-hmm. explain myself to death. Mm-hmm. She explained herself at she nauseum. Spent, she spent that that clip, what was it, like twelve seven to twelve minutes or whatever. She spent that amount of time of her interview as an artist who I think I may have heard one or two songs of her, but I'm yeah. not super familiar with her. Yeah. I typically I, I that's like not her. a show. Yeah, yeah, that's not a show that I would watch. But I would have loved to see a clip talking about, I love the black rap girls. I would have loved to see a clip introducing me to who she is. And meanwhile, what I know about Mona Leo is that she is incredibly articulate and intelligent. Yes. And I'm, I'm thankful to know that about her. But I had to learn that through her having this violent experience with a light-skinned person who decided to ask about colorism without doing any research on colorism. Crazy. You know what I'm saying? Crazy. And then the immediate question that I had, and I asked the audience this too, I was like, how is it possible to be in community with dark-skinned black women and not be in conversation enough with black, with dark-skinned black women to know that colorism exists. I'm still, I'm, I'm still perplexed. I don't, I don't know if you two have ever thought about that. I think that this is a space of privilege and I'm asking that question because it's kind of like, if I, my best friend is a dark-skinned black woman, um, in fact, I would I would edit that and I would say she's a a medium dark skin <laughs> a medium dark skin Haitian American uh-huh. um black woman and I immediately thought about her. I think about her all the time. All of the time because I see that the way I see the way that things are going. I see that the way that things play. I see it and I, and, and I think she's also realizing and waking up like, "Oh shit. This is a colorist ass experience that I am having." And it's like how I can understand that even as a dark-skinned black woman, maybe, like you said, when you were in middle school, you realize that people are treating you some type of way, but you may not be able to articulate that. Yeah. But even if I'm in conversation with you as your friend, don't I realize that you're that you're describing you had a hard time there, a hard time there? Hard, what is that? Why do you think that there's a lack of curiosity and care for dark-skinned black women specifically who experience colorism? What What is that about? Honestly, light-skinned black people do not want to admit that they benefit from a system because it's probably all they have. Mm. You know? Dun, like, dun, I, dun. <laughs> okay. I don't, especially someone who is, especially a black woman who uses desirability to navigate the world. Like, if if you admit that I am only this because of how I look. Yes. Right? Wow. What does that do to you as a person? You know? So I, I think there's pieces of that. I think, honestly, a lot of, Light-skinned women that hang out in gangs, like the whole friend group. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> because it's true. No, no, not me. But I'm saying no, because like the whole friend group is just yellow bitches, I've and I'm seen just that. like. So that's why they're not having these conversations. And when when a dark-skinned person, I'm fortunate enough to have light-skinned pe- friends around me who, when I bring it up, 
they'll just listen or whatever. there might be a little back and forth but there's none of that basic mm. like oh she's just jealous you know that that type of stuff the main answer it's the main, they want to cut my hair and i was so cute oh my god yeah. my privilege <laughs> Yo, yo, it's a lot of that. But they, mm. from my experience as a darker skinned black woman growing up, the light skinned women generally clicked. Like they were, they were like groups together. So when does this conversation even happen? Yeah. And if it is brought up, a uh, uh, dark skinned people are we're, we're jealous. We mm-hmm. just don't love who we are. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think you can love yourself out of colorism. Like it is a mm-hmm. personal mm-hmm. choice. It's not some systemic thing. Like I love myself down, right? Like I'm full of myself, yes. right? But then I leave my house. Mm-hmm. And I live in a world that is colorist. I live in a world that is anti-black. So there's no amount of self that will t- remove oppression. Yes. You and can't I, follow dark skin girl Instagram pages into into like removing all of those feelings yeah, and the reality. Yeah, exactly. And and we we put the onus on dark skin people to dismantle the system and that's not our fucking job. Mm-hmm. That's not our job. That's mm-hmm. light skin people's work. Mm-hmm. Y'all need to get that together. Mm-hmm. Like you need to give up the seat. You you know all of the things that we ask white people to do for black people, that's what light skin people need to do for darker mm-hmm. skin black people. Mm-hmm. And until they are willing to do that, this is where we're going to be, and we're going to be going to talk about this next week. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. The right. other thing with privilege is, like, you just have it, right? So you just have the privilege. Every room you walk into, you just have the privilege. The privilege is there. You show up. You expect it to be there. It's there, like you expected. It's the privilege. And so when you confront people, because basically what you're telling anyone with privilege, right, but in this conversation, light-skinned people, basically what you're telling light-skinned people is, like, the world as you know it, it's not what it is. Mm-hmm. That is mind blowing. <laughs> yes. Listen, I'm a light skinned person. What you just did? Yes. That feeling. That like t- someone someone telling me, hey, when you did this or when you said this or whatever. As and I'll say this again, as a quote unquote work per- woke person, someone coming to me and saying what you said to me was colorist and impacted me this way, or what you did, or every time you do this routinely mm-hmm. it makes me feel this way and it's colorist is fucking mind-blowing to me because i consider myself somebody who's working constantly not to do that but i'm not working hard enough and Absolutely. i'm a, the other piece of this also that a lot of people with any privilege again we're talking about light-skinned people don't want to acknowledge is that you there's gonna be spots and areas that you don't see because you don't know so if someone of a different experience for me is saying, hey, from my vantage point, right, as the mm. oppressed person at this marginalization, when you do this, this is what it means to me. This is what it means for me. And that's that's not me as a personal thing, but that's a, a group thing, right? So not only am I hurting this one dark-skinned person, that's not the first time I've hurt a dark-skinned person and I'm contributing to this society and this structure and this system that perpetuates colorism. That is mind-blowing. Yes, it especially is. Especially as a privileged person who has been catered to in this area of privilege. It is fucking mind-boggling. And unless mm-hmm. you are somebody who's willing to like take that hurt, take that hit, take that feeling, take that ego um that ego hit it's not gonna get done it's gonna be oh no no no. you just this is you know that's a you thing that's a you know Mm -hmm. whatever because it is uncomfortable and again i say this as somebody who people 
you know, some people would call me woke or whatever the heck. I have been told things being grown and light skinned. It that blew my mind, and I was not okay for a minute. Shit. Yeah, just because of the pro and, and not okay because I don't believe them, but not okay because they're right. I believe them, and I feel terrible, and that's an uncomfortable feeling. There's fragility in that, and it takes a while to get back to get back to and accept that. Yeah, you're not a bad person. You didn't mean to do this, but you were fucking doing it, and it's a shame and an embarrassment. It takes a minute to, yeah, to come back to and be like, okay, and it's gonna happen again. That's yeah, the thing. It's, gonna, it's, gonna it's going happening. to happen again. That's the other piece of it that people don't want to accept and acknowledge that if we're in a constant state mm. of liberation and people trying to get free, right? I have to accept that my one-on-one knowledge on colorism was, because that's another thing that people do. It's like, oh yeah, I know not to do this, that, or whatever. So I know not to do these four things to dark-skinned people. And that's it. I checked the box, which is another thing that white people do to black people all the time, mm -hmm. right? Which is why a lot of liberal <laughs> white folks are harmful, Yeah, right? it's a mess. Same thing in, in any area of privilege, right? So you check off these boxes, then somebody tries to present you with something that's new to you. And it's like, whoa. What am I supposed to do with that? But the, what I have to accept and what we should all be accepting as people who are trying to liberate and seek liberation for all people is that you're not going to know it all until liberation, mm -hmm. right? So there, there is no set checklist of things to do or not to do to be woke or to know and to be conscious or whatever. It's an ongoing thing, right? Mm -hmm. So so right now I feel like I've been enlightened on some extra shit that I was doing or saying or whatever and Okay, we're going. All right, okay. okay. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm alive. I'm okay. I survived yes. this, right? In another six months, somebody could tell me something else. And I have to be prepared, willing, and open to accept and learn that. And that goes for all areas of privilege. I agree 100%. 1,000. For me, like, what you brought about, like, you know, you woke, whatever, whatever. For me, that's, like, when you bring up hip-hop, not to say I don't care about it in that space. Gotcha. For me, it's more dangerous in a liberation space. It's a lot more harmful in these woke spaces where people say that they understand dismantling. People say that they understand privilege. When people say that they understand all of these systems, but they can't, they, they can't grasp colorism. Mm -hmm. That's dangerous. That, and that's why when I said earlier, my liberation is not doesn't live in a light-skinned person. It can't. And it's because of that they they leave leave stuff out, and when you bring it up to them, even with all of these areas of wokeness or whatever, they will still not get it. Because I honestly feel that people they say it's real. Some people say it's real, but I don't think they understand how insidious colorism yes. it, it is in everything, everywhere it is at in, all times, and it's, it's in places where I'm just like. Damn, I used to like that. You know, like <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> yes, yes, you know? yes. But it's 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 such an insidious system that's been My allowed God. to kind of just be a whisper for all this for like all this time. Like, how many Black liberation movements have we had in the United States, and not none of the motherfuckers mention colorism, mm -hmm. right? Like, we hear it in the this murmurs. But no one stands and says, we got to get this shit to... No one does that. Yeah. It's still a murmur. Yeah. So to me, it's more like extremely dangerous in like the black academia and the black liberation spaces where people put language to stuff and do all of this, you know, make money for this stuff. And, and you that's... don't... And you don't... It is not an ounce of you breaking down at least colorist fucking theory. Yeah. 
That's wild. That sh- that shit is crazy because once you, I think you know, uh, money is a, a huge part of it to me, at least. When it invisibility is a huge part of it when it comes to navigating the woke space, mm-hmm. because it's very much like, oh shit, we getting bread off of talking about trauma now. <laughs> Ooh, let me get this bag, and they want me to come in and talk about it. I cannot tell you how many, you know, especially like lighter skin folks that I hear are that are actually having the conversation but we all know plenty of dark skin folks who've been having the conversation but are not getting platformed and I think like that is at the crux of a lot of this yeah. is that there are a lot of people out here who are hurting there are a lot of people who who, ain't, who don't have it and are looking for ways out and now you telling me that I got to take a back seat so I could put your dark skin yeah, I'm not a like... colorist I deserve this opportunity <laughs> what are you talking about I think lot. that uh, uh, I know that a big part of that it, a part of that is, in fact, that I'll say, like, I, my sister, she's passed away, but lighter skin. Mm-hmm. And I remember when she had that moment when she realized, oh, oh shit, people are treating me better. And, you know, my darker skin, younger sister, we now we're having conversations about how that juxtaposition of treatment impacted her. Right. And it's like this was happening all the while. You know, but later on in life, you can see how that like manifests itself in the decisions that she makes and the decisions that a lot of us have simply made. Like, for example, calling my, my other sister, the one who passed away, Red. Red bone. And she cute and teen. Look at her baby picture here. Soft, fine. You know, all of that kind of stuff. And the other person there, it wasn't that she didn't have space to be herself, and, mm-hmm. but she felt, she felt those moments of like, I wish if people were asking me how I was doing, she feels like she got less of that. Mm-hmm. My mother, my mother and my aunt, my mother's lighter. My mother has like a finer quality of hair, even though my my darker skin aunt had a lot of hair, long and thick. It's just so interesting mm-hmm. how they were even juxtaposed. And my darker skin aunt, yes, you were treated better than me. And my mother's like, me? No, I'm not. No, no. Yes. And mm-hmm. I had to have that conversation with my mother. Listen, baby. You may not be light. You're not the lightest person in the entire world. But when she's telling you this, it's important to listen and not to feel like you're being lashed. Mm -hmm. When I say conflict and compassion equals empathy, I'm also mean conflict with yourself. Mm -hmm. That internalized conflict, those moments of challenging yourself and they're also having compassion. Forgive yourself for what you did. Maybe you didn't know any better, but you have to be able to have that combination. You have to be willing to go there because I remember when I was um, starting to get into these conversations, by now I've had conversations with thousands of people and in every single place, every place on the fucking globe, globe, um, colorism is a thing. It don't matter if everybody black, colorism is a thing. And my thing is, is like for me as a privilege in recognizing my privilege, is that I choose to have this conversation because I don't want my dark skin daughter one day, if I have my way, because I would like to have children. <laughs> I don't want my child to grow up and I'm here figuring out all kinds of ways to prevent, protect, don't do this, go here, don't talk to these people. I would love for her to be able to step out into the world in her glory. And I know that I'm going to have to do a lot of preparatory work. Yeah. I know that we're going to have to be like, maybe go by Auntie Queen's house. You know, like, <laughs> maybe go visit, maybe go visit Auntie Jay so that you can get um, what, what you need. Mm-hmm. But I do know, I think about that and I find it to be really problematic because a lot of the people who I do see who are in the host chair, who are saying, talk to me about colorism and then challenging you they are lighter skin folks because in terms of the system Mm -hmm. they are being awarded the opportunity to sit in that chair i think about shonda rhimes and what happened to the world of television once a dark skin or a darker Mm -hmm. 
skinned black woman has been given the reins to do something. I'm thinking about Issa Rae, who is a proponent of like natural hair and like who is like a medium brown half, I believe one of her parents is from the continent. I'm thinking about how things changed for her or how she spoke about working laterally or how she talked about community once she got access to power. And I'm saying that to say, what if the person who was sitting in these chairs were actually dark-skinned black women and they were talking about colorism yeah. and how much more of an educational experience could mm-hmm. it have been for those viewers, a lot of, once again, 50% who are not even of the black experience. Yeah. So I do think that one of the more immediate solutions is to like, come on, y'all, like we need to be platforming dark-skinned black women we need to be having and also platforming to me light-skinned women who are willing to have the conversation and thirdly i think we need to be actually having conversations and let biracial people talk about their experience because i think that you know when you speak like the biracial folks that i know who often once again are rewarded these seats um are not having a genuine experience you know, we're having a conversation about black black parents, but your mama's white. And I'm trying to figure out, and it's not to say that you can't have a, a black experience, mm-hmm. right? But it is to say that there are certain things that you the can't speak to. The white mom body issues are a little different than the black mom It's a dynamic. It is a dynamic. It is a dynamic. And yeah. and then here we are in a position where we have to do the cleanup, right? Mm-hmm. And the cleanup is like, I'm going to plan something with Queen and Jay so we can sit down and talk about colorism <laughs> because we got to put something right. out that answers back to a shitload of comments where mm-hmm. a lot of black women are like, you guys, this is violent. And, and it was I'm, so violent. I'm going to be honest. I saw what you, what you said. I did not watch it because mm-hmm. I do not, mm. I don't even talk to light-skinned people about colorism. I do not subject, I know what it is. I know it's real. I don't, the same way that you describe on the micro level, getting them to talking to every light skin and making them get it. I'm not doing that shit. Mm-hmm. I'm not hand doing it. Hand. I'm not. Come on. I'm, <laughs> Come on, baby. Yeah, I'm not doing that. But I, without seeing that, I already know what that violence looks like. Yeah. And I wasn't going to subject myself. I'm a dark-skinned person. I already know I've had that conversation. Yeah. So I didn't watch it because of that. But it is, it's ridiculous how accepted it is for you to willingly be ignorant. Mm. Was, like to have yeah. a microphone and sit and publicly just be ignorant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh-huh. mm-hmm. And it's okay. Yes, and be platformed. It, it, anyway, we yeah. can go. We can go <laughs> on and on about that. Yeah, but it, I was a little bit. Um, I, I watched it and was a little bit more disturbed by the fact that you know we had a conversation before we sat down here. We have conversations before we record our podcast. I was just a, a little bit disturbed and curious as to like what was the conversation before y'all sat down because. I thought they came on. They got a lot of questions about they colorism and all of that stuff. <laughs> they don't. They don't. They I, don't. I, <laughs> they don't need a reason. I, the same way white people just randomly bring up shit, and you're like, "Whoa, I'm just eating my sandwich." Right. Yeah. No, they, they, they came. So you didn't they, watch it. I'm not going to describe the whole thing to you, but reason. they were there for that segment to have the conversation. Mm-hmm. Everybody there knew they were going to have the conversation, yes. and I just, for me was a little bit confused that this was something that was prepared for and the result was a phenotypically dark-skinned black woman having to sit through that, what I would call How violence. does a light-skinned person prepare for a colorism conversation? I don't know. Like, talk it, talk into, like, t- talking to dark-skinned black people. How women? does a light-skinned person prepare for a conversation about right. something they do not, they benefit from and do not experience? Yeah. Right. I, and I think it's, I think that is why 
for a lot of the one-on-one, I don't think light-skinned people should be in the room. Because mm. why are you there to refute that mm. this thing even fucking You know why? Because it was, it was no the host. Sense. It was the host. It was three. Remember, yeah. th- there were four hosts. Three of them who are lighter they skinned. They were not biracial. qualified to right. have a... And that's... They were yeah. not qualified to have a conversation about colorism. So Will, our EP, just asked the question and made a really, really great point that oftentimes people are not willing to have the conversation about white supremacy. So he asked Queen and Jay specifically, how do you tackle this? Do you have conversations about white supremacy first and see if that trickles down? Or if you go ahead and just address the colorism conversation? Because ideally when people have the colorism conversation it's only about desirability which is what we did see in those interviews that we're yeah. describing was that it was just like well girl my hair well girl well girl this and, and that was what what's interesting about that and just to go to like kind of scapegoating again they were asked a question about power which i love i love how will mentioned off mic like uh being in the room, right? Mm-hmm. Because the question was, why are these three very light-skinned, biracial-looking black women in the room and only one phenotypically black person in the room, right? Which is a question of power. Yes. Why were they given the access, the power to be on this show called Black Girl Anything, right? Mm-hmm. And why are we centering three out of four is a majority, right? Yeah. But if we talk about desirability, then we don't have to talk about power. Mm-hmm. Then we don't have to talk yeah. about the fact that even though these three Light-skinned women may be, I'm sure, very talented and earned their spot and work. Let me take out earn. Worked very hard to get to where they are and did all the things and would, pr- will probably be great hosts or whatever. In spite of that, you have that level of access. Somebody yes. picked up your resume. Somebody thought of you. Somebody looked at you because you are light-skinned. And I think we get so wrapped up in, if, if we keep it base level, if we keep it at desirability, we don't have to talk about the power. We've seen people who talk about, I, I've watched a very talented entertainer, um, actress, who talks about black stuff all the time. One of the OG influencers talks about black stuff all the time. I watched her instead of addressing like colorism. Somebody asked her about colorism. She's very loud and boisterous, talks about everything. Somebody asked her about colorism and her response was, I work hard, I'm talented, nobody gave me anything. You were given access, right? And so instead of, I think a lot of times, Light-skinned folks get very defensive and think, oh, well, are we saying that I'm not talented or didn't work hard? Or even when we talk about, like, the rap girls. I think Doja is very talented. Mm-hmm. I think Megan is very talented. They're all talented. Even Saweetie, who maybe is not the best rapper, she is talented at being an influencer, a personality, or whatever. There are things about her that are... She has talent. Right. That doesn't mean that she was not granted preferential treatment, privilege, and more access. There's a reason why... The first time I actually knew Mona Leo's name was from that clip. You know what I'm saying? Me me too. I love the rap girls, right? I love the rap girls. So, like, there's a reason why, and it's access. So, it's not saying, yes, there are cases where, okay, you you really, you don't have any talent while you're here. But for the most part, we're not saying that these light-skinned people in these positions are not talented. We're saying that you were given a leg up. You were given a look when other people are not given a look. Somebody looked at you. Yeah. Absolutely. And then I, I don't think they understand that. Because if you look up, um, I'll just do it in the context of the United States. Mm-hmm. Most black people are brown and darker. Mm-hmm. Light skin are a minority in the spectrum of blackness. Mm-hmm. But you are all we see. Mm-hmm. You would that, know. That, that, you would not <laughs> fucking know. That is systemic. If you look at Latinx countries, you you don't even know black people exist there. So when they come here, you get confused when you see a black person speaking yes. Spanish. 
that is colorism. Mm -hmm. That is, like, black people, brown and darker, are the majority of what blackness looks like, but the media only shows you light-skinned black people. That means that privilege is happening. Absolutely. Because y'all are not the majority, but you are the majority of what is on TV and entertainment and all of that. That is privilege. Absolutely. That's not by accident. Yep. And the result is erasure. Boom, just like that. (laughs) There's one black girl on a black girl show. I'm confused. How is, like, is is this even a thing? But the question was... What do we tackle first, yes. right? And I think it really depends on what you're trying to do. I think having the knowledge that they're all connected is helpful so that while you're having these conversations about racism, you talk about colorism, colorism because you can't talk about it without it. Anytime I'm invited somewhere and I'm talking about my experience with racism, I make it a point, try to remember to intersect, interject that I'm a light-skinned person, so I can only imagine what would it mean if I were darker? What would it mean if I were fatter? What would it mean if I were disabled? What would that look like then? Right. You know what I'm saying? Worse. Right. It would look worse. Right. My right. answer to that question is to dismantle them all simultaneously, because they were built simultaneously. Right. Like, you can't, you know, racism and colorism are play cousins, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You can't exterminate one without the other like all of, to me all that's why I'm like just burn it all down burn it all down to the ground <laughs> all, but these systems were all created simultaneously so I, I believe that they can be dismantled at the same time it's just we have to have people who are willing to do it all at the same time and that's why we always say white supremacist patriarchal capitalism and there's other isms mm-hmm. that we can insert in there right but that's why we say those three because they have to be destroyed yeah. together. Not we're not we're not just going to talk about anti-black racism and that's it. Yeah. We're not just going to talk about misogynoir and that's it. We're not going to talk about capitalism and that's it. And I think when it comes to a lot of liberation spaces, they pick one lane mm-hmm. and they stick to that. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's, you know? that's true. That's um, true. And and there's not a huge. Fo- I think more so now. I don't know because you know I wasn't back here in the sixties and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Spring chicken over here, right? <laughs> but. I, that's why I do, even though people have made intersectionality an identity, it's not an identity. Mm-hmm. It is talking about identities, mm-hmm. but that's neither here nor there. I think that people, when it comes to liberation, if your politic isn't intersectional, if when you talk about freedom or whatever that looks like for you, and it does not include all iterations of blackness, and I don't just mean shade, I mean sexuality, I mean gender, I mean class, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, whatever. We are not free until we're all free. Right. And if your politic does not do that, then it's not it's not for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So I think that if we got better at lifting the people who have a more intersectional politics so that it more people are taught a more intersectional politic, that would be helpful. I think that if we... Mm. Because we're so indoctrinated, and because we're specifically talking about colorism, because we're so indoctrinated, I don't even think people realize that they love Angela Davis down. But Angela Davis is Angela Davis also because she's a light skinned woman. Mm. Like, if you look at the Black Panther Party, the woman who was the spokesperson, all of them are light skinned. Mm-hmm. And that is not by mistake. Even if you look at the Nation of Islam, the men who were spokesmen, all of them are light skinned. Farrakhan's light skinned, Malcolm X light skinned, Elijah Muhammad's light we are We are causing this harm to ourselves while we're trying to climb out of what you exactly. our, black, our black feminist icons, Bell Hooks, um, mm-hmm. Alice Walker, Toni Morrison, yeah. Maya Angelou. It's These true. are, yeah, the, they are light-skinned for a reason. Like, those are the people who were given access, privilege, That's, a look, right? Because no one would deny that these people are talented. We needed smart, Malcolm X. Whatever, yeah, they have like, all yeah. the things, but they were given the look. Yes, you know what I'm saying? And absolutely. that matters. And that's the power in it all. And and that, know? and to me, like, that's the, that's the, 
a lot of things can happen at the same time. A part of being Both an adult. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Light skin. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and that's a part of like being. I think a, 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 an adult, someone who is interested in liberation, is to be able to step back. We talked about it before. That kind of like inventory that you take of self, moment by moment, to be like, yo, how am I moving? I remember even time like um, after like a conversation, I had to think about like. Well, who are the dark-skinned women that I mentioned? And what do they look like? Mm-hmm. Like, have I stepped in it in terms of highlighting or elevating dark-skinned Black women who do have smaller noses or smaller lips or straighter wigs? Or Like, how am I, you know, basically perpetuating the same thing that, I, that I'm saying that I, I'm not? Mm-hmm. And I, there was stuff there because it was very Kelly, Kelly Rowland. It was very mm-hmm. Tika Sumter. It was very, like you mentioned before, like, Nia, well, Nia ain't that really that dark. It was very, like, yeah. mm-hmm. it was very, it was something that I really had to take a look at. The same thing that I did with how I felt about trans folks. You know, before it was like, oh, my God, I'm trans people, give them liberation, freedom, all of these things. But then I also had to have the conversation with myself about when my cousin was in her transition, about how I was fearful about being mm-hmm. seen with her because of the prospect of and violence. And she's in your community. And she's, your and question she, about yes. community. How can we be in community? with each other and not and not see each other's pain or how we're harming each other or understand colorism think about being yeah, queer in your too. family think about yeah. those people who like we love and we fuck with except for their intersections and then we're like mm, not that no it, you know? it, exactly because it's like if i'm on the streets with her and somebody feels some type of way they're gonna attack the both of us i have to be mm-hmm. prepared mentally i'm not prepared mentally today so i can't see her today mm-hmm. and she you has know, to live with that every and day. she has to live with that right. every day and you those are the and those things, that, yeah. I, I hated it it was mm-hmm. ugly it made me feel sad i was embarrassed i once i process things i start to tend to i tend to talk about it publicly Mm -hmm. and i was like i have to talk about this because how many of us think that homophobia transphobia is about being scared of trans folks no sweetie it's about you being feared that people are going to think of you in that way being in close proximity to that the violence that comes with it Mm -hmm. there's a certain level of power that we have and we hold on to the power by not acknowledging our privilege moment to moment to moment so when i think about the power structure of the shows that present us with light-skinned women oftentimes in the host chair now asking a dark-skinned woman about colorism which they think that does not exist the first thing that i think about is diddy the first thing that Mm -hmm. i think about are the people who are the power structures that don't want to be mentioned in this conversation but we have to talk about it because as someone who probably has the final say on who's on the show or Mm -hmm. who has a pretty much a protocol of who gets hired and how they get hired this is a legacy of and, someone like him. And that's why who you partner with to me is a politic. Like, Absolutely. There's no way that there's a Diddy or even a Jay-Z because he loves him some light brights Facts. as well. There's no way that that does not inform how they employ people. There's no way how that inf- that does not inform how they treat. There's no yes. way. That there's it, no way. There's no way. There's absolutely no way. It's impossible. I remember y'all really quickly, we may even throw to this, that clip of Rick Ross in that reality show. Yeah, and it's this girl, she's singing, run away. <laughs> and this other girl is just like, huh, huh, yeah. Same oh girl. my God. And they were like, oh my God, she sounds amazing. She, baby, she, right. she know how yeah, to do this. Yeah. Your future bright, shorty, your future bright. <laughs> the music was bright. Smartest move in my life. Me and another person had the same beat. I'm really curious who has the other beat. She has the same beat. Oh, oh, Kaya. 
Kaya. That wasn't the best platform for your voice. Nope. And Brit did sound better than yours. They like mine's best, so it is what it is. Enough is enough. But what I think about oftentimes at the root of it, though, is simply your spirit. The, 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 the places that's just like, as a, as a black woman, as a dark-skinned black woman, as a queer person, a trans person, a differently abled person, I'm thinking about those moments alone. Cause I remember in my moments alone, processing like, am I good enough? Are the straights gonna rip me to shreds if I mm -hmm. speak? Is my family gonna hate me? All of those kind of like life-changing big questions really impacts your spirit. Yeah. And just like having to go moment by moment by moment of processing the brain and the brain's need to survive. We were talking about this. The brain's, the brain's need to survive. So stay away from these people because they're hurtful, right? Don't go to that place because they're not gonna let you into that club. Don't do this thing because no one's gonna listen to you and how that impacts your spirit. Especially mm -hmm. as black folks, the added burden of like feeling like you need to belong in a space, feeling like you need to, yes. you know, I, I think, I think that impacts also the level and the nuances to the way that we treat each other and reject each other and how classist we are and how yeah. obtuse we are to each other's intersections is because all of us, so many of us are thinking, I'm already black. You know what I'm saying? And so it gets a little bit harder for us sometimes to mm. acknowledge each other's intersections. Mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, 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 it's rough out here. I'm just thinking more now and now. I'm just like thinking about my little sister and I'm thinking about like, how rough it has been because we've been having these conversations, adult conversations. And I think about like how she's developing and processing and she just had a baby. She just had a little girl, Coco, a little, my little niece. And I'm thinking, I told her, I said, you know what, we have to process, you have to process these things so that Coco, right? So that how you talk to her, how you commune with her, how you raise her, how you guide her can be not influenced by your trauma and your real-time processing of that or not processing of it, but the mm -hmm. ramifications of that, you need to start to deal with that. And, and we talk more now about spirit. And I wanted to ask y'all, like, how how is your spirit? How do you deal with the more the sides about you that's not a Black woman, the side about you that just wants peace and wants to be loved and held? How do you do this work, be confronted with conversations like this, and still maintain a healthy spirit? I I pour into myself a lot. Like I mm -hmm. um am but I had to learn to be resilient in this way because the world not accepting who I am, right? As a person just generally. I've always kind of felt outside of things. Like I don't know if it's because I was dark skin or if it's because I'm like the only Muslim girl in class or I know it now, but it was queerness. I'm not, I don't really relate to these niggas like y'all. You know, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, right. So I have all, I created, I had to create a system for myself. Like mm. I had to do, I had to just be proud of, like regardless of whatever the world was saying, like I had to create 
this world where Queen is just the most amazing person ever. Mm -hmm. And I had to, I didn't know what I was doing as a kid. I didn't know. I didn't even know what an affirmation was as a kid. But I used to look in the mirror and just be like, "You're beautiful." Like I yes. used to just do these things, um, because I just knew I had to, and I had to make it. I don't know what happened, but I had a switch went off, and it was like, "Her dead ass don't give a fuck what everyone thinks." Mm -hmm. And I don't know how I cultivated that, but that has been really, really, really helpful for me. Where I don't, I feel it's a privilege to. I'm not a person who cares about being in other people's faces. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm really. Oh, you don't want me here? Peace. Peace. Like, I'm out. <laughs> that I'll make my own. Like I've, I, um, my parents were very like that. My parents are proud as fuck. Yes. Like, <laughs> like what? Okay, we don't need that shit. We're gonna, we're gonna make our own club. Like that's just what I come from. Like I don't need your shit. I'll create my own. Mm -hmm. So that has been extremely helpful, and I think. As an adult, I am tapping into my imagination more, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I think about ancestors and I think about how you don't get free unless you actually believe you can be. You know what I mean? Like, there's no way you're fucking on a plantation <laughs> picking cotton. What? You have to have some thought outside of yourself to believe, fuck this shit. And that's all you know. Mm-hmm. Fuck this shit, I'm out of here. Mm -hmm. That shit, I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's faith. I don't know if that's God. I don't know if that's it. I don't know what the fuck that is. But I, that is what I tap into now. I, I just have that. to fucking believe that whatever the fuck this shit is right now is not what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, like mm -hmm. I just, it's not it. I'm not going to accept this. That's a word. I'm not going to accept this. So that's. Those are the ways in which I kind of, I guess, recharge and pour into myself to come back outside and deal with all of the mm -hmm. <laughs> the BS. But mm -hmm. those are, you know, ways, you know, I eat the food that I enjoy. Fuck mm -hmm. what they say I'm supposed to eat or not eat. I, um, I'm very into making sure my apartment looks like this most ama like amazing place because it's mine. That's your paradise. It's... <laughs> You know, and no one yes. can say anything to me about what's in, you know, like, so I guess I just try to create those spaces wherever, wherever I'm at. So I can have a little inkling of hope or inkling of, you know, just a little slice of liberation for, for this little hour or whatever. But that's, that's something that I'm really, really big and big on and stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm, I love that. Okay, okay. What about what? I am, I am really what bad at did? all of that. Oh shit! <laughs> really? Terrible at it. I, I really am trying what? to get better. Like I, I don't, I don't typically do resolutions, but I had a, such a rough 2022 that my mm. goal was to take care of myself. Just take care of yourself. You know what I'm saying? So I've been trying to focus on those things that are nourishing to me and make me feel good and rested like it any all of my choices are dependent on is this taking care of myself so like there's this piece of work or project that I feel like really needs to get done how am I highlighting and centering taking care of myself along the way in doing this thing that I feel like I have to do do I really have to do it does it have to happen now mm. but that's really what I, I focus on is taking care of myself and like what does that mean in this moment and and it, it changes depending on like what's being asked of me or what's required or whatever um but I think that's something that we both do 
um, on a micro level, when we're talking about like kind of addressing these larger systemic traumas is like, we have, we have boundaries, you know what I'm saying? So like for us, because it's not our ministry or our work, we really only talk to black people unless we're being paid to talk to or teach white people something, you know what I'm saying? So like our message is black centric and it feels less laborious. And like when a a white person doesn't accept us, we don't care. A white person doesn't like what we said, we don't care. We don't get a check from a white person, we don't care. Cause we set a boundary that we don't care. And that goes for um, men of all kinds for the most part. That goes for even, I asked you when you asked us about coming here, I was like, yeah, of course, cause it's you. And then afterwards I was like, cause, cause if it was anyone else, we'd be like, okay, who's gonna be there? What's the plan that I, I was like, wait a minute, who's gonna be there? <laughs> because Understood. we have boundaries. Yeah. Like even on the grapevine, there's certain panels that we're not gonna participate in because we know our emotional boundaries. Yeah. And I know that like when I show up, I give my all. This conversation, if I give my all, I'm not gonna be any good. So let me just, that's a boundary. You know what mm. I'm saying? Um, yeah, so it's just like setting up a lot of boundaries in order to be able to do the work that we do in the way that we feel like we need to do it. Mm, You know what mm, I'm saying? mm, mm. Um, So I think that's one of the things that helps us not go batty like along the way because it is a lot of, um, you know, emotional labor, physical labor, mental labor to dismantle these things, to explore these things, to, you know, watch scary things to be able to like talk about them later or whatever. Like that's, it, it takes a lot of work. So just making sure like there are certain things off rip oh we don't even do this you know Mm -hmm. and honestly even this conversation i asked queen she said she was down to be here but i wanted to make sure like are you cool with i'm very good i'm very good at saying no Mm-hmm. That's yeah, great. No, no, no. And that Boundaries. Wasn't, right. I was, yeah. I, that, that that's one uh, thing. I know. I know. That's not right. what you were. I'm just saying that I want. I actually, and it's funny. I was talking to a makeup artist about this earlier today. <laughs> um, <laughs> that I'm very good at saying no, but I wish more black people were really good at saying no. Mm-hmm. Like, get somebody else to do it. That that black woman who said that on take. Like, I want more of us to be like, no. Like, it's okay to say no. Like, it's not a bad thing. Like, you don't have to do everything and do all the work and carry all, you know, it's just, and I think that's why it's difficult for people to understand systems breaking simultaneously because we, that, that you think that that means you have to carry all the things where it's like, no, I'm, I'm good at dismantling capitalism. You're good at this. You're good at that. So let's meet together and do this. Right. Right. You know what I mean? But because it's, you know, we think it's all supposed to live in one person and Mm -hmm. this and this and that. And and you can't say no, because if you say no to this and they might never give you this opportunity, because to me, when you are not able to say no, you actually believe in scarcity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Facts. You know, so it's like, if I feel, if you, could think a little more abundantly you will you could no this is not for me mm-hmm. and you, you know like so that's what i wanted to say right I what that. i want to say is because she act like every time i talk to her i just met her i know that she knows how to say no i'm gonna ask anyway i'm gonna double check anyway because what i also know is that we don't always read everything so <laughs> okay. i want to make sure did you read this though right mm-hmm. so anyway but um i think yes the like knowing your bound i love what you said sorry this is what i was going mm-hmm. i love what you said about it doesn't have to all live in, in one person, right? Mm-hmm. We do not talk to white people. There are other people who, um, looking at us on a base level, you might think that we do the same work. Their platform is yelling at, screaming at, and dedicating their lives to talking to white people. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Yep. So that's just not something that we do. And 
white people need to be yelled at and spoken to. Mm-hmm. So I don't shade that work. Yeah. But we don't do the same things. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and that's how I protect myself. And there's gonna be, I'm sure there's black people who their area of discomfort is where we live. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. Things Absolutely. that we do. Yeah. And yeah. so that's really it. It's like we can't all do the same things and we need to really find a space where you can dismantle and then also thrive. Exactly. It, it, even when you think about like our activists mm. or whatever, I don't want to die tomorrow. It's people, that's what that's what it requires. You know what I'm saying? For some people. It's mm-hmm. that are you ready to die? Yes. You know, and that's not that's not always my lane. Mm-hmm. So it's really just kind of like knowing yourself and like what you need and setting up those boundaries to be able to do the work to make it sustainable yeah Yeah. i I appreciate that because you know the reason why i'm I'm asking about this and is because in my own work i have realized like this there's a potential to have to talk ourselves into a coma right like Mm -hmm. we can talk we can talk 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 and then I know for a lot of creators, especially people who are in this space, who have been just burnt out down to the ground. You think about looking at your timeline, somebody done died again, you know. Now you're looking to this colorist shit. Now you're looking to the massage noir. Now you have this anti, you know, queer and homophobic shit. It's a lot to deal with. And I oftentimes wonder, as we are fighting to be seen, right, like what parts of us are we erasing at the same time? And I think spirit is always kind of sacrificed first. Mm. Those moments of like, you know, finding your solitude and talking to yourself and and like you said, speak to me nice. Like, mm-hmm. how can I sustain myself and do this work at the same time? Because you're in a space where people are gonna say that you're angry as soon as you open up yeah. your mouth. They say it when I don't open my mouth. The, I'm just, you, I just be standing there. <laughs> 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 when you like. don't open up your mouth and then they say like, and now on top of that, we need your labor to explain to us why you're so angry in the mm-hmm. first place. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, like how can your spirit sustain that? And I'm looking in my work at least to start showing black people in a more human way, right? Not the human way where we just fuck up, but human in that there's a process to the recovery, whether you're a recovering colorist or recovering, you know, uh, hating yourself because you are queer, whatever mm-hmm. it comes with, there's a certain level of spiritual work that's there. And it's not spoken about as much, I think. And I'm looking forward, and this is like, this is an experiment. That's, yeah. that's how I consider this. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to finding out more about how Queen and Jay, as they're doing their work as a part of the mechanism to bring down white supremacy and patriarchy and capitalism, how do you sustain yourself? Mm-hmm. Because there are, I know that there are plenty of people who look at y'all and like, well, damn, like, yo, I wish if I could articulate myself or I was brave enough. That Bell Hooks and Laverne Cox conversation was so great. If 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 any of y'all haven't seen that, check it out on YouTube. I checked it out because I first heard about mm-hmm. that conversation because of your show. Mm-hmm. And when I when I was checking it out, Bell Hooks was literally like, you know, like what's good with your wig and your shoes? And then <laughs> and then um and then and then um Laverne was also saying that Janet Mock was like, well, why don't you talk about racist mm-hmm. racist shit more often? And I was and I'm watching Laverne and I'm like because. That's just not her. That's just not her lane, mm-hmm. you know. There, there are still things that she is moving through and trying to get to the next phase. When there weren't many examples of how she's supposed to move and navigate. Mm-hmm. She yeah. doesn't now, though. She doesn't. She doesn't now. now. But the process is a process. But the process right. and and the, the connection of spirit mm-hmm. to that, yeah. and how there are little people along the way who help, and little moments of sober mm-hmm. of sobriety of like, mm-hmm. oh shit, like mm-hmm. that was a read. 
that read helped me get there. Yeah. Or this was a destructive year. And in that year, it made me learn how to say fucking no or that I don't want to do this. Or why am I doing this project? And I think specifically, when we talk about the margins, when we talk about the most alienated and ostracized, our differently able, dark-skinned, queer person, for example, when I think about them and their spirit, when I think about them and how they engage with a project or having the audacity to step out, mm-hmm. right? I really think that for our spirit, like your individual spirit, is to just recognize through your your healing about the unique part that you play. And and to your point, um, Queen, about like that self-reflective space, I really think that that's important. And it took a while, I would say like in my younger years, for me to get to that point of just speaking nice. At first, I learned how to read. I learned how to cut people down first because that was like the first step of defense. Yeah. And then I realized like, oh shit, it gets deeper. I can tell myself nice things. Yeah. as opposed to being prepared to combat the That's mean so, things that yeah. people say. Mm-hmm. So like even getting to the next step of saying nice things, it did so much more for my spirit and for my soul. And I have to always remind myself. It's not like a thing you just learn and that's mm-hmm. it. For me anyway. It's yeah, like no, it's, it's, it's just not. been present, progressive. And I'm looking forward to just seeing like how we can consider our spirit when we're in, co- we're in conversation with each other. Mm-hmm. The last thing I'll say is that I realized this through that work about trans people and queer people in particular, what I realize is that people are having the conversation about like, how do you tolerate trans people? How do you tolerate Mm. queer people? And I'm like, if you just take a step back and first think about like how you, what's your unique ability? Like what, why are you here? What is your connection to God? And I'm like, for white folks, a lot of them don't know. Because their unique connection is power and imperialism and taking over and violence. And that's how they equate power. And so on the inside, there really is nothing because all of that power is about taking away. It's on the outside. What I've learned is that like you have a piece to the puzzle. Your work is going to dive into that. You have a unique piece of the puzzle. Your work is going to dive into that. I have a unique piece. They have a unique piece. And this really helped me process with my cousin, who was a transgender woman that the reason why she is so necessary to know and to love and embrace, not tolerate, is because she has a unique piece of the puzzle as somebody who is a part of the trans experience. When we think about ourselves as a community, we need a trans person. We need someone who has the unique experience of being born into a world as being identified as a male Mm -hmm. or having male genitalia Mm -hmm. and then transitioning and saying like, this is not all of me. This doesn't recognize my spirit. I'm so much more than this. I'm transforming and and physically and otherwise, and maybe not even physically, but Mm -hmm. otherwise I'm going to show you who I am. And that unique experience can speak to something that I could never speak to, that y'all could never speak to, Will could never speak to. But what it is is a piece of the puzzle. So when I'm coming to my cousin, I'm saying, tell me about this. She going to give me something I never heard. Why? Because she had a unique piece. And we all have unique puzzles. But what happens when you don't? Speak nice to yourself. Mm -hmm. Then you have no idea what you have to offer. So you're just trying to get people to like you for how you appear on the outside. So you bleach. So you decide that you have to tan or get some injections or do whatever. Listen, do what you want. Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is that what I've noticed is that when we do the work in a capitalistic space that says you have to make money to pay these bills, you can learn to say no. Because my spirit says I'm full. My spirit says like I know who I am and that's not aligned with it. Even if I need a buck, I'll take something else is going to come. There's no scarcity. Mm -hmm. I have a place here. So... I'm excited about what you have shared in terms of spirit because for every dark-skinned black girl who has been denied her humanity, I hope that she is able to go home 
into her safe space and have a moment where she can speak nice to herself so she can go out and do it again. It's it's hard. It's hard if they haven't been shown it's possible. Like mm-hmm. you don't know you don't know what you can attain, what you have rights to unless you see it existing. Period. You know what I mean? Like a lot of us don't a lot of us ain't Harry Tumman. We don't have the imagination what? to say, I'm gonna do this 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 many times. Exactly. Or willing gonna... to die. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. Right. And that's fine to not have that. You know, a lot of us don't have that. So you need to see that something is even possible. Facts. Which doesn't happen unless Issa Rae has a series because she's like the only one who employs dark skinned women. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. but you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. so I am hopeful because I always want to think in abundance, but the reality is that how many black girls get to have the experience that that I have, how many dark skinned girls get to create the experience I created for myself? How many like there's so many that that do not. Like I have a dark skinned mom who also did not have these colorist ideas about her own. You know, there's just mm-hmm. so many things that for me I see now as as, as a privilege that I have these experiences or that I decided, well, the world says I'm ugly, so I'm going to just be so delusional and say that I'm the shit that it becomes fucking true because that's all, that's the only way I see myself, Period. right? So even that is a reaction to harm. Like, I don't know what the fuck happened or, you know, whatever, but something had to... Yes, yes. <laughs> to make me one day decide that that's what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so I always want to leave conversations hopeful, but I also don't want to sell, you know, something that is possible to not be true. Someone needs, there are dark-skinned people who need the system for them to change, for them to understand. Facts. I understand, yep. You know, sure. you know, so, you know, I just didn't want to leave, but them thinking, you know, love yourself outside of it. Don't even love a good service. <laughs> <laughs> you love pouring into somebody. And I'm I, like, do, I, I, do. It. I encourage it. Yeah. I encourage it. I whatever. And I'm hoping that at this conversation does ignite something and in, in someone and, you know, whatever. But I do want to be realistic as a dark skinned person. Every which way you see something telling you that you ain't shit. Yeah. And because you're not powering through it, it's not your fault. Yeah. Yeah. Not. yeah, and we have to use our platforms as Black people, like with platforms. You know, a lot of influencers. We know, like, as people with platforms, it's important that we are using those platforms to dismantle those systems that we know to be true, right? right. So, like, how are not you in particular, but how are you using your platform to dismantle colorism? How are you using your platform to dismantle fat phobia, transphobia, homophobia, all the things that we know are real and exist, like? Are you, uh, we always talk about like black feminists for pay. Are you a black feminist for pay or do you live this shit? You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So that's yes. reflexive. If you have a natural hair platform and like all your girls have look biracial hair. and have 3C hair, like you're not doing the work. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's really, it's really about, okay, we talk this shit. Are we doing the work? Is it reflected in our platforms? And yeah. so that's what I would say to like people like us um, you know, instead of, and I'm, I know that's not what you was trying to say, but like, mm-hmm. instead of hoping that my dark skinned niece, like, you know, can pour into herself or whatever, making sure that I'm building what I'm doing on my platforms is going to build a better world for her. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Or, or make it a little bit safer. This corner, and that's something that, you know, we hope with our platform, this corner of the internet, it's a space for you here. Yeah. Exactly. You know exactly. what I'm saying? Exactly. So like, just making sure that like, are you doing the work? You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. And I'm a Gemini too. So I tend to like 
the mm-hmm. co- the conflict and the compassion. Right. My thing right. is just like, how can we do both? Because for me, I think it's just so necessary. Like, you know, in my imagination, my daughter is going to learn Taekwondo right, right. and also <laughs> love herself. You might have to be wait, somebody's wait, you ass. This up before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You are. You held bent on this Taekwondo. I'm very you consistent. Really you know why? Because I, for me, when I was eight years old, I realized I had to learn how to fight. Mm-hmm. Okay. I grew up in East New York. I had that to learn is. how to fight did these you motherfuckers. Learn taekwondo? Yes, I okay. did. That's why. I'm I learned. The reason why. I, you know, I learned and it changed my experience. Okay. I learned and like, once I learned. I don't think martial arts is going <laughs> to free us. <laughs> no, we both have no, we both have martial arts ass dads. Yeah, my dad oh, is a I'm telling you. Oh, oh yeah, really? Yeah, so like, we grew up with that also. Yeah. Yo. So we see you. We see Yo, you. Yo, you know what I'm but saying? It's not gonna liberate us. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's not. But I'm like, my kid, just because like I'm like, for me, like I'll, I'm gonna be really honest with you. My fault, my default is to fight. Mm-hmm. Mine like too. I naturally I'm like, what? Yeah, you wanna fight? Same. I have to talk myself down. So I'm just being really honest with you. Yeah. Like I have done so much work mm-hmm. to like get to the point where I'm just like, spirit, you got to meet this other thing. Because I, I I learned how to do Taekwondo at first to learn how to beat people's asses. Mm-hmm. And through the experience, it was like, no, that's actually, that's not, you, that's not you, what we do. you're not yeah. supposed to actually fight at all. <laughs> and, <laughs> right? And, and through that, but the confidence, the confidence to know how to and then make a decision. And I think it's the same thing on the spirit side, to know how to and then make a decision if you have to fight. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so like, that's the thing for me. I like, the, I like a balance. That's, mm-hmm. that's the Gemini in me. Mm-hmm. But we talked about platforms and we're about to end. I want what, how and how and what can people do to support y'all on your platform, find your corner and know what y'all are doing. Yeah, let the folks know what you're doing. Oh, you look at me. Okay. <laughs> well, yes, um, yeah, so our podcast is called Tea with Queen and Jay. We named our podcast before podcasts were a thing, but mm-hmm. that's what the name of the podcast is. It's a womanist race nerd podcast. And so you'll find all of this type of shit and conversation on that podcast. Um, so anywhere podcasts are played, you can also find us on social media, Instagram and Twitter at Tea with QJ. And our website, teawithqueenandjay.com. Um, and you'll find our personals there if you go there and follow what we're doing. I produce other podcasts and projects as well, so you can check that stuff out. Um, and where can we find you? Get it. No, you do stuff too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't like talking about myself, so it's weird. Oh, no. Um, Come on, let the people know. We... <laughs> so as a part, I'm a, I'll, I'll do an intro for you. So. Okay. <laughs> so, yes, uh, we are both TV Queen and Jay. Queen, long before that, has had her own platform. It's thriving. She's now moved into the YouTube space. She's a big yes. deal. Okay? She's a big deal on her own. So, see, that's what you get. When I looked at you, you're supposed to pick <laughs> you it up. You ain't saved yourself. Now we got to blow you up. Yeah, she was. <laughs> Tell us about your platform, Queen. Um, So, I have a platform called Miss Vixen, and basically, it's a platform where Black women and femmes that basically expresses that Black women and femmes are the standard, not mm. the exception. Um, and I just do work around yes. around that conversations of that you know build and uplift Black women and femmes. And I kind of my approach is because I'm woo woo, so af- affirmations, this is that. But at the same time, the system mm. is fucked up, so I like mm-hmm. to bring those things together because I think it is important for us to address the system, but then also address the interpersonal things that you should dismantle in yourself and or build up within yourself because you can't do one without the other. Yes. You can't just yell at the system and then go home to your empty apartment with no food and (laughs) you don't like where you you know where you live. Or you know, you know, this stuff like that. And I think that especially in an activist space or 
um, we're not activists, but like who are in this work and we mm-hmm. have these conversations a lot. I think that because of a lot of the models that we have of what activism looks like is that you're supposed to suffer and like oh yeah be poor and like enjoy it and i don't mean poor mm-hmm. as a pejorative i just mean as you know like that like you're supposed to be just eating beans in a cold room and selfless and, and rocking selfless, back and forth not yeah not thinking about yourself not loving on yourself not having good sex not eating good food like you know fuck and, that. and <laughs> fuck that exactly <laughs> so that's, that's where i bring a lot of that together yes that can live in one person yes Please check out their platforms. One thing that the last thing that I'm gonna say is I know I make this awkward every single time. It's it's, kind of cute. Yeah, we're both introverts, so we're both suffering. Yes, yeah. It's it's kind of cute, but I'm like, don't let them fool you. You gotta check out their shit. One of the, the the reason, the main reason why you must check out their platform is because I think you guys have a beautiful way. Of loving people and correcting folks at the same time. And I think that that is an important part. And I've experienced it. Like, I've been in conversations of, like, getting the, oh, wait a minute now. <laughs> we had a very tense moment. I, I am still not okay from I, it. <laughs> but, you know, but I, you know, a part of me, like, I don't know why, but I, my, I learned that way. Um, mm-hmm. I learned that way. I honor it. I appreciate it. That's why I was like, when are they coming back? You know, because <laughs> that's how that's how we grow. And I I'm excited about what more you do with um, Tea with Queen and Jay and your other platforms. And the last thing I want to give you a shout out because didn't you produce um, Kirk Franklin's yes, season two of Kirk Franklin's podcast? Yes, um, yes, I produced that season. He's having really awesome conversations with a lot of guests. Um, it was for me, he had a really great first season, but my priority, I wanted to make sure that when we spoke to queer folks, that we're talking to queer black people. Yes. And so part of my goal, Kirk is, uh, we know him to be a very loving, open person. He's down to talk to everybody that was a part of his mission and a part of his goal as well. Um, and I wanted to make sure that we were having those conversations with black people that we were bringing black people from all walks of life to the table. So anybody who was down to talk to us, we spoke to them and we had some really great conversations. Is I'm not Kurt Franklin, so I'm not going to say my favorite, but I feel like y'all know who my favorite conversations was with. Right. Um, but yeah, definitely check those out. I'm definitely. not going to say who I think it is, it is either, but uh-huh. I loved the fact that you had a conversation, that um, Kirk had a conversation with Angelica Ross mm-hmm. and it was my mm-hmm. favorite. And the reason why is because, <laughs> yo, let's break this door down. <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah, she she laid it out. It was fantastic. And I think that for, you know, I grew up um, very well, hardcore, apostolic, Pentecostal or whatever. Maybe me too. Oh, okay. my God. I, I see it in you. I know, I know. Um, so growing up with that, you know that these can be hard conversations on both sides. Like not, not and I, I say both sides, meaning the not to separate them so much, but we know that there's a Christian environment that says it's not okay to be trans. And mm-hmm. then having a, having a trans person welcoming them into the space, what does it look like to welcome a trans person into the space and yeah. make sure that they feel comfortable enough to have this conversation? So, yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of that. 
Um, yeah, you, you had, fucking thank you, thank you. He had a don't make me cry. He had a conversation <laughs> with uh, Karamo earlier in the season that yeah, I did not hear that. Definitely oh, check I'm that going. out as well. I'm um, checking that out. And I guess he talked to the straight people, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but I really I really love those episodes because I know they're conversations that people did not expect Kirk Franklin to have. Uh, and and it's so I'm so thankful. Powerful. Yeah, I'm thankful that he took a risk. I was producing the podcast like. They're letting me do this. <laughs> so I'm thankful that I was welcome to offer my, you know, creativity to that. And I'm thankful that they were open and flexible enough to have those kinds of like challenging conversations. So, mm. Yeah, mm. It's such a powerful moment for a lot of us who grew up in the church and a lot of us who knew that we had a place and they were talking about a God that we yep. did not know. Yep. So to like give us the opportunity to talk about how y'all use our gifts and then you'd say that we don't belong here and being willing to do the conversation you are doing the work. This is what right. we're talking about. You do what you can where you are. So congratulations mm -hmm. yeah. once and it's again. And it's not, I don't want to pretend like it's easy. It's not easy. That's the, but that's it. Right, right, yes. That is not shit, it's not right. easy. It's not easy to show up and say, hey, this is what I want to do. This is why I think we should do it. And how many times when you show up at your job, whatever that job is, how many times you have to say that to get your point across? The compromises you might have to make to get it to happen, to my get, God. okay, what's my baseline for? This is what has to happen here. Yeah. And this is how this is how we're gonna push culture forward. This is how we're gonna this is how we get to liberation. It's work. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? It's yeah. not easy. You don't just show up yeah. and say, hey, this is what we wanna do. And they say, okay, great. Yeah. It's a lot that goes into it. So Absolutely. I just yeah, and that's that's not to like big up myself, even though I work hard, but that's just to remind all of us that it's not going to be easy when you say we have to change things we have to dismantle mm. colorism anti-blackness all the phobias it is hard and sometimes it shows up on your paycheck how yes. hard it was yes. to do and how it, it's a sacrifice and we have to be prepared to do it and you have to decide let me say you have to decide where you're going to do it mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying because mm -hmm. niggas got to eat but like True. it's 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 hard you know it's hard but Nonetheless, very impactful. Th like how hard mm -hmm. it, well, that's why it's impactful because right, this right, shit is right. so fucking hard. Yeah. But I won't, I'll, I'll just say like for me, that's like as a queer person, I'm like, yo, what took so long? Trace it back. Yeah. Yo ass. <laughs> um, and that's, you should be proud. Right, thank you. So again, for everybody at home, just follow these folks. Follow Queen and Jay on their personal platforms, but also Tea with Queen and Jay. Check out their work sign up for their patreon send them some coins and and allow the work to continue because they are really really amazing check out the work you'll you'll find out when you check it out follow us at the stranger fruit shout out to will who's over there in the corner shout out to Dottie who got a shout out in this shout out to my sister tisha my beautiful sister i love you baby and just <laughs> yo it's been so long oh yes um what do, do we say something when we leave Brother, you know it. Give him the cue. Oh, okay. Welcome oh, yeah. to Tea with oh, Queen okay, and Jay. We are two womanist race nerds talking shit over tea. Dismantling white supremacist patriarchal capitalism one episode at a time. I'm Queen. I'm Jay. And, and this is Tea with Queen and Jay. Ow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> We've been, that was great. We've been Alan for a minute. That was great. Alan before the Al caught on. That PC was great. Dub. There ain't nothing left to say. Peace out. We are out.
Now, we could talk for hours, but that's our show for today. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and notification bell so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at The Stranger Fruit. Special thanks to our incredible crew behind the scenes, our amazing producers who make this show possible, 